Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message is both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. As we all move forward in light of COVID-19, we want to encourage you to make a priority of joining us in person for worship. Because as you know, listening to a podcast can never replace the need we all have for fellowship and corporate worship. So we look forward to seeing you soon. In the meantime, here is this week's message. I am, as always, very thankful to be here this morning. Uh, Grateful for that Pastor Brian and his family could sneak away for a little while for spring break and uh and and others you know spring break we had we had a couple of uh some friends in uh the the latter half of this week and had some fun on the back half of this week uh as well and so it's 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 been a good spring break i remember in college my buddies and i decided at spring break we would go visit my brother in charlotte and then we went in charlotte we got bored cuz it's charlotte and so we went to, um, we decided to go to Myrtle Beach. Like, let's just go to Myrtle Beach. It's right next door. And uh, so we decided to go to Myrtle Beach. And um, we, we had an interesting setup. He had, a, he had a fairly new then Honda Accord. And we had a, we had a little setup there where, where there was the driver. And then the passenger sat backwards. There was no seatbelt laws then. Silly. Um, seatbelt. So we, so the pastor sat backwards. We put a laptop in the back right window, so that the driver could look in the rear view and see the laptop, and um, and then the the, the pastor turned backwards could see the laptop, and then the guy in the back seat could also see the laptop, and we could watch movies the whole way. <laughs> and so we 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 got I don't know it, we we decided to go to Myrtle Beach late, and so it was it was dark it was late we got somewhere in somewhere between here and there, and we pulled off to get something to eat, and we pulled off to get some gas, and then we got back in, got our setup all up, you know, put in Gladiator, and uh, figured that could take us on home, you know what I mean, get us on into the beach and, and, uh, and uh, enjoy that, and so we were, we were doing that, and then all of a sudden, we got back on the, the, the highway there, it was like a four-lane highway, and we noticed that when we got into, like, we were in, still in North Carolina, I remember, it was weird because that section of road, like, all the signs were backwards. And, like, we kept commenting on the fact that all the signs were, like, backwards. And we were making fun of these North Carolinans. You know, Dude, get your signs right. I can't even read your signs. They're backwards. And so we were making fun of that for a little bit of a stretch. And all of a sudden, a crazy driver was coming head on at us in our lane. And so we had to swerve over and this guy did not hit this guy. And then all of a sudden, there was another one. North Carolina is a crazy place. So it was, it was crazy. Signs backwards, cars coming at you. And all of a sudden, it dawned on us about 2 in the morning. We're going the wrong way on the highway. Somehow, we got off, and we're going completely the wrong way on the highway. So we got turned around and got back. But that, that was just a funny, I'll never forget, we had a lot of crazy things happen on that little trip on spring break, but it always it always kind of brings me uh, brings me brings that to mind. And speaking of change of direction, we are beginning a very important series uh, for the next few weeks for our church. A very important series. Uh, we're coming off a great study on um, the book of Hebrews, and it was a, a great study looking at that book kind of from beginning to end. But now we're, we're, we're changing gears a little bit, and we're going to be talking a little bit about, well, really, vision. 
the vision series, where, where we're going uh, really in the very near future. And so we're, we're going to look at this uh, in, the, in, the, in the coming weeks. We're calling this series, It's Your Serve. It's Your Serve. And we're going to be talking about where each one of us fits. If you're a member of First Baptist, where you fit in this ministry and how you're going to be involved in some capacity. We're going to be talking about this in the next few weeks. And I know the temptation is to think, well, well, here I am, and I'm already serving, so I can just kind of coast the next couple of weeks, and I can kind of leave it to the others who aren't. They just kind of come, and they sit, and they don't do anything. I'll leave that to them. I'm already busy. I'm already doing that, so I can just kind of hang out the next couple of weeks. No. No, no, we're, 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 this was kind of born out of, the, out of the situation we've all been in. This, this kind of stalling period, and we want to hit a hard reset, meaning that, man, maybe you've been serving in the same area for a hundred years. You've been in the same spot for a hundred years, and, and this is the hard reset. It, it, if, you're, if you felt God tugging you maybe to move on to some other ministry or some other place, or maybe you've even become dissatisfied, you don't know what you want to do, this is your chance. It's a hard reset. We're going to do something a little different because we want you exactly where God wants you in this ministry. That's what we want. We want every person who considers First Baptist home to be serving and moving together. Not just pockets of busyness here and there, but serving together. Doing something together, intentionally together. Because after all, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you've been saved, you should be serving. The bottom line would be that we're saved to serve. We're saved to serve. That is where we are at. That, that, that is the bottom line. I don't know if you've ever thought about salvation in that light, but you are saved to serve. I, I, I know because it's easy to think about salvation as just heaven, right? That's easy. That's an easy way to look at it. And I know I've been in ministries and I've been in situations, well, man, I've even done it myself when I was young and dumb. Because you're dumb when you're young. It says that, I, 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 especially with children and students, you present the gospel in a way like this. You say, who wants to go to heaven when you die? I don't know if you've ever heard the gospel presented that way. Who wants to go to heaven when you die? Let me tell you, that's 100% yes from anybody. Like, it's a great question, but the question, you know the answer to it, right? Like, like who wants to go to Hawaii this morning? Right? You're, you're, you're with me on that. Like, that's the same thing. When I ask a kid, do you want to go to heaven? I ask a student, you want to go to heaven? They're going to say yes. So it's not, it's not a great presentation of the gospel. It's a good question, but not a great presentation of the gospel because who doesn't want heaven? But you see, when we get saved, when we put our faith in Jesus, you don't just get heaven. And I don't want to make light of heaven. That's not a light thing. That's an important thing. I'm not making light of that, man. That's a hope. But when you get saved, you don't just get heaven, man. You get God. 
you get, you get God. You're kind of frowning this morning. I'm sorry. You get God. Like, that's a big deal. You get, you get him. You get heaven because that's where Jesus is. John uh, said in his gospel in, in chapter 14 and verse 1, he said this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If, it were, uh, if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Did you see it? You get heaven because that's where Jesus is. If Jesus was in Detroit, you would get Detroit. You get heaven because Jesus is there. Piper has a convicting quote about the fact that if you could have all the, the and I'm, I'm misquoting it a little bit, but if you could have all the, 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 the things of this world, you could have all the, the great things, your family, the great beauty, all the, the wonderful things you love in this world, and you could have them in heaven, but Jesus wasn't there, would you still want it? Would we? You get, you get God. And so if, if, if my salvation was just about heaven, it would make sense. It would make sense that God would just take me immediately up, right, upon conversion. Like, like I give my life to Jesus, and then that would make sense if it's just about heaven, just take me right up. Just boom, I'm with him. That was the most important thing. Me, heaven, you, heaven, me, together with you, boom. But here we are. Here I am, still here, still, still on this planet because, yes, you get heaven because this is such a complete and wonderful salvation. It is multifaceted and it just keeps coming to the point where even your future is taken care of in heaven. But there is a present. And salvation and the gospel still matters right now. We cannot talk about the things we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks if we do not give you the gospel. I have to. J.D. Greer has a wonderful uh, acrostic uh, that helps us work through this. He, he uses the word gospel to, to well give you the gospel. And so let me, let me give it to you real quick. We're going to be real fast with this. Uh, but it's this, that, that, that God created us to be with him. G, God created us to be with him. We exist to glorify God. We exist. God created us not just because he was having fun. No, he was creating us to be with him. The, the intent of the garden was always to, to him come down and, 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 and mingle with us and be with us. And that was always the intent until we, we did something. And oh, is this, that our sin separates us from God. Sin is our problem. Having, a, having this destiny is great, but we cannot skim, fast, skim past the, the sin issue. All of us have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. So if we use that verse there in Romans as the definition, we could just see that anytime I don't glorify God, it's sin, because that's why he created me. He created me to glorify him. So anytime that I, so, so that means I can even, man, I can even come to church and, and, and not glorify him. I can do really good things 
and not glorify him. Just be glorifying me. Our sin is deep, man. We're, 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 it, it's more woven uh, th- than we know. We were created to glorify God, and we've fallen short of that, significantly short of that. The S is this, that, that, that sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Most people lean into this, right? Even if I've grown up around the church, we have this, this tendency to compare ourselves really with ourselves. Like I'm doing a little bit better than that guy. Or you may be looking at me and be like, I'm doing a lot better than that guy. Doing better than him. But the Bible says this. Therefore, no one will declare in Romans 3.20, no one will declare, be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. And that's how we know right from wrong, right? The, the law helps us to figure that out. And he says nobody's going to be declared righteous even if you kept the whole law. Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. See, the law doesn't exist just to give you something to follow. The law exists to show you what you're capable of. So when you read the Ten Commandments and you see, thou shall not murder, you don't think like, well, I'm doing okay in that department. No, you think I'm capable of that. I'm capable of that. Things start to go south quick, man. I'm capable of that. Start tinkering with my family, start tinkering with things like that, man, you get, you know, and, and, and I know Kayla's even worse. Start messing with her family, man. She's mama bear. Right? It, it, it's quickly. The, the law is there not to show you how good you could be, but to show you what you're capable of. So if you read the Ten Commandments as a checklist, you're reading it all wrong. It's a list of what you're capable of. It's a list of what I'm, I'm capable of. See, the goal is not to be a better version of Gary. The goal is to be like Jesus, because at the end of the day, when we look at all of the scope of the Bible, what we start to realize is that the only thing that really glorifies God is himself, is Jesus. People, we, we, we mess up all the time. I mess up constantly, man. I thought I had a good grip on it, then I had kids, and now, man, it's just magnified by 10, because they're always doing something. They're always into something. They're always standing on the kitchen island. Get off the island. Stop doing that. And I, I, I'm calm at first, but then I lose my cool, right? We were in the trestle yesterday. Lost my cool twice. Hauling them outside. Tell them I'm going to leave. I'm not going to leave. I already ordered my food, but I had to tell them that, right? So I lied. Like I'm a dad liar. It's what I do. It's easy, man. But here's the great thing. P, paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. This is what we put our faith in. This is the weight of my life is on this truth. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. This is where I'm standing. This is what I'm on. We sung the solid rock this morning. This is what I'm on. Here it is. Be by this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the words I preach to you, and here it is. Otherwise, you believe in vain. For what I received, I pass on to you for uh, as first importance, that Christ died 
for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's where I get my my belief. That is what I put my, my trust in, the finished work of Jesus Christ. No matter what I do, when I get to the throne and I look almighty God in the eye, I'm not going to show him my list of good things because he's going to bring up the trestle. I'm going to point to the cross of Jesus Christ and I'm going to say, I'm putting that over my life. And God's going to say, well done. That's the only way to do it. That's all you got. That's all you got. That's all I've got. The E is this, that everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. So there it is. We, we, we see that's in a very important thing. It's one of the great rewards of faith that we can lean into Christ alone and we are granted eternal life. That's the thrust behind John 3.16, right? Whosoever believes on the Son gets eternal life. You get that. That's a good hope. And L is this, that life starts, or life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Jesus said there in the Gospel of John, verse, uh, in chapter 10, verse 10, at the end of it, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not just eternal life, but all life, full on. So if you have Jesus and your ho-hum about life, there might be a little bit of a gospel misunderstanding. Because you got it all, man. That's awesome. And I hope you, I hope you understand this for this, this morning. I hope you have this over your life. And if you don't mind, man, I'd like to come at this point right here. And I just want to, I just want to pray. And I just want to ask that every one of you and anybody listening uh, on the internet that they get this because. This is what I want you to have in your mind. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Not my bank account, not my whatever could be Lord of your life, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will emphatically be saved. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna ask if you would bow your heads and we're gonna pray. I'm not done, don't get all excited. But we're gonna pray, I want this over you now and then if you, if you, don't, if you wanna pray and, 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 and look to Jesus now, then great. If you wanna wait and, and come talk to a, a staff pastor or somebody else, great, but let me pray now if you don't mind. Father, I come to you this morning and I ask that you move in a way that is unmistakable. That you'll move in the lives of our people this morning that you'll make the gospel real to those who have never believed. If they're trying to do something to make themselves righteous or acceptable in your sight, because there's nothing we can do. Paul says we're filthy, filthy rags. That's all my works are, even the good ones. That the only thing I can offer you is my faith in Jesus. We need only to believe in the finished work of your son to be saved. Anything else falls short. Thank you for your intervention into our lives. Thank you for your son and his sacrifice on the cross. I ask that you I ask that you'll move in the remaining time we have here this morning.
as we look to your word to help us understand really how we're supposed to serve because we were saved to serve. In your son's precious and holy name, amen. All right, since, since I hope now that we're all on the same we're on the same page. I, I, I wanted to get the gospel out in front because that, that's what we're relying on. We're, we want to do good ministry, and the only way you do good ministry is, is with Jesus. That's it. That's all I've got. So I, I don't want to try this on my own because you're going to get my best efforts, and they're terrible. Again, I yelled at my kids at the trestle. You don't want that. I didn't yell at them. I just got huffy. And so I hope that we can see this because our topic today, very quickly, is on personal ministry. Like we said, bottom line, you're saved to serve. You're saved to serve. And the place I've seen this, I've used this before, but man, I can't ever get away from it because I always want to go to the roots of anything so you can see the roots. And so if you wouldn't mind in your Bible or on your phone or your tablet or whatever you have this morning, you sit and listen, um, it, it, it's John 13, that's where I'd like you to be this morning. John chapter 13. If you don't know the, the context of John, John's gospel is pretty interesting because he, 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 he'll, he'll, he'll hit things kind of in a shotgun blast and all of a sudden he'll spend a long time on certain things. He just does that. And, and things that, that, that were very impactful to him. And obviously this, this text right here is very impactful to him. Something that he remembered remembered it. And so as he, as, he, as he penned these words with the, with the help and the, and the leading of the Holy Spirit, we see what, what, what we need to get out of this. And so as we approach it, what you need to know is that, 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 that we're in the last day of Jesus, really. They're at Passover. It's a holiday. There's a lot of buzz around town, man. That, that, that was a big deal to them. And so they've been, they've been around town, they've been around the temple pretty much all day. Everybody's going to go and have a meal together with your family and your loved ones. That's a big deal. Uh, it, it's called the Passover meal. If you don't know the whole context of Passover, it goes from Exodus when God let his people go by, by killing the firstborn son. And the only way you could escape that would be to put blood over your door frame. And and the angel would pass over, and it happened in their history, and that was a big deal. And now God's chosen this night to once again shed blood so God will pass over. Only now, it's forever. The blood of Jesus is going to be spilt soon. And so they have been walking around these streets. They have been enjoying the day. If you don't know the whole, the whole deal, they didn't have cars back then. They had animals. And animals, they do stuff in the roads. And it's, you know, it's, it's unpleasant sometimes. And so there it is. And they're, 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 they've been walking around in that. They've been walking around the temple. They would have killed countless animals that day. Blood would have literally ran the streets. Talk about a picture of our sins, man. It's just crazy. But there it is, blood running the street. So these guys have been in this all day. And so they get to the place where now it's time for the Passover meal. It says this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come to him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in 
progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal. Isn't that interesting? That's a one sentence. That God's given him all authority over everything. God's got, Jesus has all the power in the universe and beyond right now. Semicolon, it says, so he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. Isn't that an interesting sentence? God, all power's been given to you. I'm gonna take off my clothes and I'm getting ready to wash feet. Interesting. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Peter was always popping off. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. And then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just, my, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered and said, those who have uh, had a bath need only to clean their feet. Their whole body is clean. It's, it's a picture of salvation. And you are clean, though not all of you, not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that, he was, and that is why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to this place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example to you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus sits down with them. They, they're, they're kind of reclining. Now, they didn't have chairs back then, if you've not known that kind of oriental uh, uh, culture. They, they reclined. They didn't have chairs, and so their feet were kind of all in each other's business. You know what I mean? And so there they are, and I mean, like grown men feet. This isn't like baby feet. Baby feet are cute, right, no matter what. But this is like grown men feet. And they're gross, which is probably why none of them volunteered to wash anybody else's feet, right? Like that would be, like that would be, I would have a lot of respect for the dudes like, dude, I'll do it. Usually they brought in like a servant and that would usually be a, a child to have that job. Like that's a low job, washing feet, that's gross. And so there, that, that, that was a low job. So there was no servant at this place. That was nothing they were doing. And so this, Jesus sees this, sees it needs to be done, and knows this is the exact time for a lesson. And let me tell you, man, Jesus knows, you already saw that at the very beginning of the chapter, he knows what's coming in a few hours. This is the end. They're done after this. He is going to the cross. The disciples and their little group traveling around is not gonna look the same ever again. 
And in this moment, this is where Jesus decides, I'm going to... I'm going to teach him something here at the end. He could have talked about a million things, man. You'd think that would have been some important conversation. Maybe this is why John wrote this down in such detail. Because this is what Jesus wanted to tell him. In his last days, in his last hours, this is the most important thing I want to tell you. Wash each other's feet, man. Wash each other's feet. Don't, don't think you're too good to wash each other's feet. Do, do as I've just done to you. Wash the feet. This is an important thing because Jesus is showing them this is how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. That ministry, service, means we'll do whatever it takes. That's part of being a Christian. We're saved to serve. You follow Jesus, you're signing up for that. You're signing up to do ministry. That's part of the deal. But, but it's a good deal. Jesus says there at the end, in, in verse 17, he says, now that, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There's blessing. Jesus says, I will bless that. It's not just fruitless labor. It's not just you know, I got to do it because nobody else will. It is something that Jesus looks at and says, man, that's the stuff right there, man. That's it. It's a promise he gives us. And just something even as small as washing, because let me tell you, man, if you, if you will wash the feet of grown men, there's not much you won't do, right? There's not much you won't do. Because they're Gross. Especially, I mean, they're wearing sandals all day, like Chacos, you know. They're wearing those things and walking around in that stuff. Their feet would have been disgusting. And the Lord of glory, the creator of Jupiter, the Atlantic Ocean, and your Chihuahua, bent down and washed their feet. It's amazing. Later in that same chapter, he kind of brings it back up. He tells them a few more things that are very important, and he brings something back up. In John 13, 34, he says this, a new commandment I give you, and here it is. This is the sum total, really, that he's telling them. This is the new commandment. Follow this, love one another, and this is how you do it. You do it as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not, not frou-frou love, heart emoji, things like that, Taylor Swift, none, none of that. We're talking about love, and how had he just loved them? He washed their feet. He did the lowest of things for them, and he's saying, now you do this for each other, and this is the only way that the outside world is going to know that something's different. Not by what you say, not by your bumper stickers, not by your t-shirts, not by your Facebook posts, this, that you're willing to wash feet. So I'm going to take my shoes off this morning, I'm going to see who would like to wash, no, I'm just kidding, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to, that's gross. 
That's super uncomfortable. I've had my feet washed one time in, a, in an example, and it was super uncomfortable. super uncomfortable like that. And plus, I'm super ticklish. But uh, it, it's uncomfortable. We show we're followers of Jesus by our love for one another. We show love by service. If you look in the scriptures, love is never separate from service. It's never separate. It's not this, this entity that just sits over here and you just kind of say it like, I love my car or I love whatever. Chick-fil-A, whatever people love. It, love is always connected to service, even when it talks about God. For God so loved the world that he gave. He did something. It, it's always connected to that. It's always looking at that. So this is a, this is a big deal that, 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 that we serve and have this personal ministry is a big deal, that we are willing to do whatever we need to do, and I hope you sense that. I hope that I'm getting you to understand that, that Jesus' last days on the planet with his friends, as it said, was spent telling them, this is what I want you to do. If, if you get everything wrong, this is what I want you to get right. So this passage kind of shows you the roots behind this, uh, of wanting these men, and, and really us, to serve. And if you know your Bible... You know that God is not really desiring that he, now we're just a bunch of little islands serving people. That's, that's not what he did. That's not how he set that up. He didn't set that up by now, okay, you know you need to serve. You know you need to, to even go as low as washing people's feet or something, whatever the equivalent culturally is of that, that you're just a bunch of little islands doing that. No, no his plan was much greater than that, as God's would be. Because do you know what's amazing? That if you're saved, if you're a saved person sitting in this room, God's already put this notion in your mind and in your life and given you everything you need to do it. So if you're, if you're not involved right now, you're literally going against what God has already done in your life. But... Let me show you a little bit, and this is where it gets really exciting, because this is part of the great salvation that we've been talking about, and I feel a little bit like, a, like an infomercial salesman, you know what I mean? Like, um, but wait, there's more. That's how I feel this morning. For the small fee of belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can get your own ministry. You get a ministry, and you get a ministry, and now, if you act now, you get a free gift, and that's exactly what the Bible says. You get a spiritual gift that is activated at salvation to carry out this ministry. Romans 12, 4 says this through 8. It says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members. So it's talking about your physical body and you got a bunch of little members. And these little members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, have one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Do you see that? We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You have been gifted to serve. Do you see that? That's part of the gospel. God has given you something inside of you to show his greatness when you lean into it. But there's a catch. 
Like there always is on those infomercials, right? You gotta pay shipping and handling. The catch is this, that your gift is not yours. It belongs to me. And my gift is not mine. It belongs to you. And when we work together, it says there in Romans 12, when we work together, things start happening. The body starts to move. The body starts to serve. The body starts to change the culture around it. But only when we do it together. It is not activated otherwise. You do have that gift, but that gift will be, it will be incomplete without connecting it to the body, just like an arm laying on the ground. That's pretty neat. You walk across an arm on the ground, you would think something's going on there. Probably not good. But when you start to see it connected to something else, oh my goodness, things start happening. You're, you're part of a body. And this is how God, when, when, when Jesus encouraged those guys to serve, this is what was happening in the future. He was coming, uh, so many days later, he was coming to, to connect them together. And now all of a sudden, man, they were going to be a force. And they were a force. In fact, there was one city that the disciples showed up in, and it says the ones that turned the world upside down have shown up. We're in for it. Because they change the culture around them when they show up. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're a saved person that belongs to this church, you have the ability to impact, we have the ability to impact the culture in a supernatural way, but only if we do it together. That's the only, that's, that's the biggest catch. This is why it's hard to just be disconnected from a church. This is why sermons get boring, because it's, there's more. There's more to it than that. You need to be connected to this. And you may be thinking, I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. And that's a good thought. I have been there myself, and I'm glad you're having that thought, because we can help. We can help this. We already have a plan in place uh, to help each, each of us figure this out. Before the pandemic, we had a, a really cool and helpful um, uh, resource called Growth Track. And it was where we were asking uh, all members really to go into it, and, and 101 was kind of the basics, and then you move on to 201, and then 301, and, and it was really helpful. Problem was, when the pandemic hit, we didn't really get to move into 301. It stalled us. So we had people that were, that were really kind of getting in and understanding who they were and what they needed to do and, and, and who, what, what the basics were of Christianity and what you need to do as, as a church member. And then all of a sudden we, we, we were supposed to slide into 301. And 301, Growth Track 301 was supposed to help you figure out your personal ministry. Doing that by helping you figure out how you were gifted. That was the goal. And so sliding back in to my infomercial, there's more. We have been working on that, and, and actually Growth Track is coming back very soon. It's coming back. And so we'd like, if you're just new to the church, we'd like you to enter in on 101, because that's how we're kind of building it. You can't go to 201. You can't just kind of start where you want. You've got to have to go through the whole thing, make sure you know uh, all that uh, as we lead into 301, and then 301 is going to help us get into this, and then 401 is going to engage it. Not, not just in the church, but outside these walls on mission. 
But we're, we're in the presence now. The, 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 we're in the, at presently trying to, to reorganize a few things. Reorganize how we do what we do so that we can really, we can get more done for the kingdom. And we've been talking about it for a long time, and we've been trying to work through it for a long time. Lots of meetings, lots of things going on, and we've formed five teams. And each of these teams, one, two, three, four, five, has a, has a, uh, a pastoral, uh, a, a staff pastor on it, and it also has several deacons on it, different deacons on each of these five teams. And they are leading these teams, and this is, this is what we're going to be talking about for the upcoming weeks. The first team I would like to talk about is the discovery team. That's the ministry team. They're the ones to help us discover our ministry. That's why we call it the discovery team. They help us discover what ministry we are needing and, 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 and wanting to be involved in. This is going to be done really in several different ways, but there are some neat things in place. There's a couple of new things that are going to happen. One, we're calling these guides. Guides. And this is, what, this is going to help people that are new to the church. They're going to do things from this, from simple tasks to like, I see a person, we're going to make sure they know where to go, guide them through, There's, here's where your kids are dropped off, here's where uh, the older kids are, younger kids are, student ministry, here's where your Sunday school class, if you want to go to this one, or here's another Sunday school class, or here's this one, here's what they do, here's what they're, they're about, here's who usually will attend this class. They, they guide them through these things and guide them even all the way through, oh, you want to get involved in growth track? Well, let me tell you when that begins. Let me tell you what Sunday that's on. Let me tell you how you can go and sign up for that. Let me guide you along that process. We don't want people falling through the cracks, just coming, sitting, and leaving. So these guides are going to help close that gap. The second one is this. We're calling them, we're calling them coaches, and this ministry is really more like a, a mentorship. And so they will take a person who's a member of the church now, maybe a new member of the church, and really whatever stage they're in at the church, and they're going to help them figure out if they need to get baptized, here's how you go about that. We need to get you baptized. That's important. That's the first step in faith of Jesus Christ. Let's get you baptized. Before we do anything else, let's get you baptized. And then also, maybe they've been to Growth Track 101, 201, but they've not done 301. They're going to say, hey, Jojo, I need you. Have you considered going to 301? Like, this is really important. This is how you get plugged into the church. This is how you find out maybe where you're gifted and where, we could, where you could fit into this body because this body's connected, and we want you to be connected to it in the right way. And so those coaches kind of help with that, and, and, and then maybe it's not even a, a new believer. Maybe it's somebody that's in season, and they've been teaching a long time. That, that coach is also going to come alongside them and just encourage them. Is there anything you need? Do you need a break? Are, are you getting tired in that? They're going to kind of help encourage and, and do things like that. Those are a couple of the new things we have coming up because, man, right now we have needs everywhere from kids ministry, preschool ministry, student ministry, adult ministry. We have needs, and these needs will be brought up in things like Grow Track 301. But if you're interested in getting involved right now, I mean, you can see any deacon or staff pastor, you can see any of those. If you feel like you, you've been wanting to get involved and you've been not really figuring out how to do that, we're going to have a, a more streamlined process for that. But you can always approach one of us. And we would be glad to talk, talk to you about that and see this because in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have some time where we're going to present all these things 
uh, all these five different biblical purposes, really. And we're going to ask you to sign up. I want you to know up front, I'm not, we're not hiding anything. This is the goal. We want you to be involved. We want you to be part of this body. Because as we look at things like Romans 12, we see that we, we have to have everybody connected. Otherwise, things don't work right. Just like if part of your body doesn't work right. You have a shoulder problem. You have a knee problem. What, what, what usually happens when you have a knee problem, all of a sudden, your back starts to hurt. Other parts of your body start to hurt. That's exactly what happens with the church. If somebody is not connected, it's dragging some other part down because you're supposed to be there. God has organized it and gifted it like that. You're supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be connected in that way. And so we're extremely excited about this. We are, we, are, we are looking forward to it. We're extremely excited what's on the horizon for the churches. We think this is going to absolutely propel us uh, to a place where we are caring for one another. And, and in case anything like what happened in the pandemic happens again, we want to be prepared for that. But it's also going to prepare us to engage outside these pretty windows. Conway, Myrtle Beach, Ainer. Whatever that other little town is past Ainer. But, but, but things like that. We want to engage that. The potential and the capacity just in this room is enough to make you not only hopeful for the future of, of First Baptist, but confident. It, it makes me confident that we are going to thrive in the upcoming days. So I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind to bow your heads and we're going to, to pray. As, as the worship team comes to, to, to lead us in one more song as we, as we leave. Father, we're so grateful for your, your all-encompassing gospel, that it's not just a future gospel. It's not a gospel that I'm sitting in and I am hopeful about what's coming in the, in the future. But it is a gospel that sits on me right now, and it is, it is given me a gift. It has empowered me to be something more as a church member, that gospel is deep and it's wide and it's powerful. So I ask you, Lord, sovereign God, that you would put in each one of our hearts the burning desire to get in the fight. We lost a lot of ground in the last year because of this pandemic. And we wanna, we wanna get in the fight. We wanna see this church thrive and be the best, most glorifying church we can possibly be as we serve one another so the outside world sees that we're disciples of Jesus and that is appealing and that is curious to them. Enough to come check it out and see what's going on. Father, help us. Help us if, if there's those in this room that need to see their need for the gospel. They need to see their need for the death and the resurrection of Christ over their lives to repent for their sin and come to you and put that over them. Lord, let them do that. If there's a need to be involved, let them come to want to be involved. Lord, thank you for the direction we're heading. Thank you for putting it into the the mind of our pastors and our, 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 our deacons to do uh, some reorganizing and, and, and to really take some of the great ministries we already have in place and to make them even better. 
But we're so grateful for all that you do for us. We're so grateful for your love and your, your patience with us. Lord, we love you. Your son's precious and holy name.